couple of, of thoughts and uh, <laughs> that that came to my mind. Thought was, do we know what time it is? And this kind of came from last week, and I I made a statement last week, and I've really been, it was one of those that kind of popped into my head on Friday or Saturday, um, and and it was like, oh, I, th- I think that I think that works, you know, and and then it's just kind of been working on me for a while, and and the statement that I I said is that ultimately who you fear is who you will follow, right? Who you fear is who you will follow. And, and, and there's a part of me in my, just a, a, a quick reaction is, wait, no, no, I, we're not going to follow who we fear, right? Because that's the negative understanding of fear, that fight or flight, right? Uh, thing. So, so whenever there's something that we, that is scary, you know, our, our natural reaction is to run the other way. So is that a true statement? Who you fear is ultimately who you follow. And I think when we understand the, what the Bible is talking about with fear, whenever the Bible says over and over and over again, do not fear, but yet at the same time says over and over and over again, fear the Lord your God, right? What is it talking about there? It's recognizing that who we fear as far as putting our allegiance in who we fear in that uh, sense is who we're going to follow, right? And that's where that kind of flow to you need to understand what time it is because sometimes there's more pressure to follow something other than God than at other times, right? Throughout history, throughout history, there's been times where it's been easy for people to choose to follow God and it was fine. And then there's been times where it was a little more difficult. And all of a sudden, you had to make that decision, who do I truly fear? Do I truly fear the Lord? Or do I truly fear a governmental system? Or a a peer pressure group on social media? (laughs) Who do I fear? Right. And, and especially talking with in, in regards to our students last week, man, that is so important because I understand as a student, you fear what your friends think, right? You fear what, what society thinks about you. You, you fear all of those kind of things. And it's easy to start acting in response to that, right? Rather than living in fear of God and God alone. Because if you live in fear of God, that means what's your highest priority is that you live to follow Him and serve Him no matter what. Because the consequences, while they may be real coming from other things, are not as great as the consequences of not following the Lord your God. Right? And that you put that above everything. And, and so I, I want to look at a, a passage we talked last week, um, uh, we were in Isaiah, and it was a passage that was written during the time of the exile. Well, during the time, and we, we talked a little bit about what that meant. So there were uh, the people had been taken uh, from Jerusalem, the best and the brightest were all taken from there, uh, taken uh, to, to Babylon and, and put to work. And it wasn't horrible for them most of the time. In fact, they were given places of authority. In Daniel, if you read, and 
There's just a whole lot, so we're not going to read all of it, but, but we're going to uh, be in Daniel chapter 3 and then a little bit in Daniel chapter 2. We're going to go uh, back. But, but you're, we're introduced to four different characters. We're different, uh, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these are all people that have been brought uh, out of Jerusalem, now are in cap- captive in Babylon, and are clearly good at what they do. Right? They, they're just obviously uh, people that ba- Babylon saw, hey, these guys, we need to uh, put them in, in charge of some things. They've already, if you read in the first couple of chapters, uh, they've already kind of stood up for their faith. Um, the, the, they refused to eat the food that was being given to them, which, by the way, it was very good food. It wasn't bad food. They were not, this was not, this was not slavery like they were enslaved in Egypt. Right? They were actually, they wanted to give them good food because their worry was that they wouldn't be healthy enough to, to help, to, to be a benefit. And Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, no, that, those go against the dietary laws. Right? And, uh, and the people were like, you're going to have to do it. And they said, well, just let us eat vegetables. And if we start getting weak, then we can come back to it, basically. And they, of course, didn't. Right? And so, the, the Babylonians were like, okay, if, if you can keep doing what you're doing, do it, right? So we've already seen they're, they're living a life trying to be faithful in an unfaithful place, right? And this, this is tough. So it means they are putting up with things that they don't agree with. They're working alongside of people that believe completely opposite that they do. They are actually working to benefit a society that believes completely opposite of, of them. Right? And so they're in this weird place. Right? And, and uh, as we talked a little bit about last uh, week, there were a lot of people who just decided, you know, this isn't that bad. I can just start living this way. Then, you know, I, I get a little bit extra food. Right? Everything seems to be going well. They're treating me right. So maybe it's just easier just to go along to get along. Right? You know, after all, God does want us to be nice, doesn't he? Right? So, you know, it's just, it, this is a lot easier. And, you know, I'm, you can even put a lot of religious piousness in this. And maybe, you know, people see how we're living and how we're acting and, and maybe they'll start Start coming around and believing in the God that I believe in. Right? So that's the, that's the situation that Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are living in. Right? They're living in a society that does not believe in their God, but is okay if they believe in God most of the time until the time changes. And then you have Nebuchadnezzar the king, who, by the way, specifically has acknowledged Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and really appreciates them. Like He's like, man, I can really use this, these guys. And in Daniel chapter 2, even recognize their God as being a powerful God. So King Nebuchadnezzar, is, he, he knows there's something about this Jewish God. There's something about these people. And he's even shown respect. But yet, that doesn't stop him from doing what he does next, 
because he doesn't truly believe in the one true God. He's just allowing them to have their nice little faith as long as it doesn't cross the line. And so in Daniel chapter 3, starting in verse 12, so Nebuchadnezzar has now made a statue of gold of himself, wants it to be worshipped, and has uh, issued a decree that everyone must worship it. It says, but there are some Jews whom you have set over affairs in the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king. And Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, man, that was a concert every day, right? To work. <laughs> I don't even know what those things are. It's impressive. Uh, on all kinds of music. If you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual, commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And the three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace." Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that were tied up and thrown into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps perfect... Prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their body, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched. There was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubber, rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. All right. this, this is a great story. It's obviously a story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. How many times can those three names be said in one story? <laughs> Holy cow! It's like, man, it's just over and over and over and over. Make sure you remember these names. <laughs> and I guarantee the king remembered those names, right? 
And uh, I, I love this story. One, this is a is a, a fun story if you're a kid, right? This is a great uh, story of of being faithful, of not being fearful, uh, of a great story of God uh, rescuing, um, keeping you safe. All of those things. All of those things are true. Uh, but there's really something much much deeper in this story. Again, whenever you really think about what this symbolizes, what this means, and how it speaks to us today. Because it's important that we know what time it is. You see that there's a lot of wonderful stories or things that we could learn from this, that God is with us, that we don't have to fear. But this also teaches us about our relationship with worldly powers with worldly governments. How do we deal with that? How do we be people of faith in an unfaithful world and with leaders who are not faithful? And it's not easy. And you know, I'm going to say most of us have never read this passage from that perspective because the times were different. But now I, I believe our societal setting is way closer to the exile than it is when the people were comfortable in Ju- Ju- uh, Judah and in Israel. <laughs> right? When they were in Israel, even, even b- b- before Babylon came in and took them, even with them moving away from God, and they were. <laughs> they were not worshiping God the way that they should. But even with all of that happening, there still was an underlying belief of the Creator God. Now, they had imported some other religions. They had you know, done a lot of bad stuff. But you weren't going to be persecuted if you decided not to worship a golden idol Right? But now the times have changed, and they're in a different place. A place that's being nice and allowing them to worship their God as long as it doesn't cross the line. And here's when it crosses the line. I thought there were a couple of things that really jump out to me. It says, uh, uh, what made Nebuchadnezzar mad? So he said this, he says, Is it true that you do not serve my gods, or worship the image of gold I have set up. This is what makes Nebuchadnezzar mad. Not that, the, that, uh, that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego worship God. That didn't bother him. But they better worship his God when he tells them to. Right? That's what he gets upset, is when they stand up against that, because, because the God that He is putting before them, they know breaks one of the Ten Commandments. Like, there's not a question here, right? It's like, no, the one true God forbids us from worshiping an idol. And so we're not going to do it. And so Nebuchadnezzar, even though he appreciated their God, even though he appreciated all that they did and the good that they did and and how they benefited Babylon, that crossed a line 
because all of a sudden he knew and it was kind of up front and in his face that these people, they weren't ultimately worshiping him. That they actually put their allegiance somewhere else. And as a political leader, that's a scary thing. If you have people that put their allegiance somewhere else, well, what else are they going to say no to? Right? And, and all of a sudden, it, it became real to him, and he recognized, wait, I, I can't control this, this group of people. If they won't do something this simple, all I'm asking them is join the wonderful uh, you know, uh, music and things like that and look and kind of give a nod to the golden uh, statue. How, how hard is that? What harm is there going to be in that? And yet they won't do it. And if they won't do that, they may not do other things that I need them to do in the future. And he just kind of, uh, you feel like all that anger, he realized, whoa, I can't control them. Because their allegiance is somewhere else. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego feared God, not Nebuchadnezzar. Even though Nebuchadnezzar then points over and says, see the furnace right there? You're going in that. And they said, you know what? We still fear God more than we fear you. And that's bold. And by the way, that's, that's not common. We don't know. But guess what? There were more than four people from Jerusalem that were in captive in Babylon. I'm going to say, I'm going to say there were some that took the same stance as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But maybe they didn't have the place of position that they did. So you don't make the history books, right? If you don't have the certain place. So there were probably some who were trying to make the same stance. Maybe they weren't as prominent, so they didn't get called out. But one thing I can guarantee is that there were a lot of people, a lot of Jews who believed in the one true God, who believed in the Ten Commandments, who knew it was wrong to worship this golden <coughs> idol. I know there, I guarantee there were a lot of them who when the music started playing, they turned and they kind of gave a nod. And they probably justified it. They said, no, you know, I, I didn't really worship. You know, I, I, I actually, I, I prayed to the one true God during that time. But, you know, just to kind of go along to get along, to make it a little bit easier, you know, I went through the motions. But that's all it was. It was just motions. It didn't really mean anything. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew this was, a, this was an important line, and they weren't going to cross it. And I love their response. <laughs> At first, <laughs> he said, they say, King Nebuchadnezzar. By the way, the respect that they have through all of this is, is in, impressive. They, they, they never demean the king. They do say, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Because they knew that he wasn't going to understand. There was nothing they were going to be able to convince him <laughs> that was going to change his mind. This was two separate views of the world. And they knew there was, there was no convincing. And so they said, <laughs> I, I love this, if we are thrown into the fire, 
the God we serve is able to deliver us. They believed that 100%. And then they said, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now, the way that they said it, they, they knew that it may not mean that they don't get burned up in the fire. In fact, I'm going to, I, there in their mind, their hope was that the only way God was going to save them is if Nebuchadnezzar changed his mind right then and didn't throw them in the fire. I'm going to say they didn't figure, you know what? I think God's going to do this by allowing us to get thrown into the fire and then we're going to be okay. <laughs> I don't, that probably wasn't the way that they saw God working this out, right? It would be, make much more sense that King Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, guys, y'all are good workers. Come on, just, just don't let anyone see you not worshiping, right? right? But they knew that there was a chance. And then, and they say, uh, but even if he does not, we want you to know. So, so they acknowledge right there, even if he doesn't save us, we want you to know that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. They just laid it right there and said, in this matter, we are not listening to you under any circumstance because you are telling us to do something that goes against the creator of the world. And we're not going to do it. And the next line is Nebuchadnezzar became furious. That's what did it. When Nebuchadnezzar was confronted with the reality that these people, that their allegiance was not to him, was ultimately to God, he threw them in the fire. Knowing what time it is is important. Because I believe we're in this time. Now, we haven't devolved to the cultural use of the fiery furnace. <laughs> right? But there are different, there are competing worldviews right now that are playing out in our governmental system, which makes this a little bit different than it has been in the past. Because we now live, we live in a situation where government and people, we, there are many of us who want the government to do more and to get more involved. But if the government is not godly, the government is allegiant only to itself, not to something higher. We are allegiant to something higher. Our government has been set up in the past recognizing that. But it, there are many from all political stripes <laughs> that, that are starting to allow the government to be a little bit more involved in our personal lives. And so all of a sudden the time has changed. It's like we have started evaluating, wait, how far do we go? How, when the government says to do this or to do that, where is that line? And we have to understand that we live in a time now where there are different ideologies at play. We are not in your, your, your normal Christian time. We are post-Christian 
Every metric shows that. That we live in a, a country that is very comfortable with people believing in God. That's still thrown out there a lot. But not, not the God that we see through Scripture. Portions of it, yes. We like the portions where Jesus is talking about loving your neighbor, helping the less fortunate. Right? But we're kind of uncomfortable when it starts to talking about moral behavior and how we should live in response to a God who loves us and who wants us to help our neighbor. So we, we live in a world that is starting to struggle with this. And it's made its way all the way up to the top. And throughout history, the danger comes whenever the government gets that kind of power the government is concerned about people whose allegiance is not to the government. Right? Now, we are not fully there yet. But we need to know what time it is. We are moving in a dangerous direction. We're moving at a time. And we just came off of two years where there are many people who had to choose whether to stay and go to work and to keep their job, or to get a vaccine. Now, I, I, we can go through all the, the, the arguments on why you should or shouldn't have done that. But that's a pretty powerful thing, isn't it? When the government tells you, in order for you to participate in life, you need to get this. Now, you may have come to the conclusion that, uh, hey, I, I think it was a good thing, I think it was worth it, and I'm, I'm going to do that. But I completely understand why you say, wait, why do I have to do that? Is this really what's best for me? Or are you just kind of exerting your power? Now, that's, this, is, this is just a beginning step. Right? But it shows how this can happen. Okay? You may not, that may not be a, 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 big, a big deal to you. But we do have thousands and thousands and thousands of people across this country who lost their jobs because they wouldn't take an experimental vaccine. That's, that should make you a little unnerved no matter what. We also, and, and why this is important for us to understand is we have to understand that things are changing, that ideas are changing, the way people think are changing. We, we live in a time where there are many, many people who don't believe there is any absolute truth. That truth is all relative. We live in a time where there are many that are starting to view the world uh, in, in terms of groups. And, in term, and they, these are not new ideas, by the way. They've been around before and they have destroyed societies before. People looked at the world this way during the 20th century and in Russia, and in, uh, in Vietnam, and in Cambodia, and in Nazi Germany. They took some of these ways of looking at the world, and it didn't work out too well. Right? We're starting to adopt some of those ideas. This past week, not on some random blog or some TikTok video, on Capitol Hill, 
in our nation's capital, they were talking about the abortion issue. And there was an expert who teaches and who was called and represented our one side of our government. The person struggled to say there was value, well, actually never said that there was value on an, for an unborn child. Would not, would not concede that point. The person also would not use the term woman when talking about people who got pregnant. And when confronted on it, said that line of questioning is violence towards trans people. Now, you may may say, that's just a crazy person. I would tend to agree with you. But that person believes it 1,000%. Right? And it's not a small percentage of people. This is a person that is well-respected, very intelligent, and is not blogging in the corners of the Internet, is on Capitol Hill making this statement. Now, I just want you to, to think about how this plays out. We're not there yet. But if we adopt that it is violence to say that only men get pregnant, or, oh, that it is... <laughs> <laughs> if we adopt, see, I don't even know. I don't even know what I'm talking about. Right? But if if we get to the point where it is violence to say that only women get pregnant, what is the job of the government? It's to keep people from getting violent. So if that is deemed violent, what do you do? I don't know the full answer to that. I don't think we're going to get thrown in fiery furnace. Please don't. You can get labeled, oh, that's just a crazy conspiracy, all that stuff. But these are thoughts that are happening right now. And we need to know what time it is. Because we need to be willing when that time comes, because we're walking a line right now. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were walking a line. Right? They were living in a place that did not believe in their God that would have rather them give up everything and just follow Nebuchadnezzar. But they didn't. But they also participated in society. So that it's this balance. And that's where we are right now. But there's going to come a moment where you're going to have to make a decision. Do I follow God? Or do I listen to the powers of this world? And we need to be ready for that. Not fearful. Because guess what? We don't fear what the government can do to us. We fear who God is, the holy creator of the world. That's where I put my fear. I am much more concerned about making sure I live in response to him than I am honoring some warped worldly view. Right? But it can be difficult. And I want to close with this prayer that Daniel prayed. This is in chapter 2 of Daniel, starting in verse 20. So Daniel, is he's trying to answer, uh, interpret a vision that Nebuchadnezzar had. And he's praying to God because Nebuchadnezzar is killing the people who aren't able to interpret it. Right? So you know, again, be careful who, how much power you give. Right? 
And and uh, and so Daniel is praying, God, let me let me have the the answer to this, and God gives him the answer. And this is Daniel's response. And I just think it's important for us. It says, "Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are His. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning." He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in the darkness, and light dwells within him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we ask of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. That prayer is Daniel acknowledging who God is and that that's where he's going to find his wisdom and his knowledge, because God is the one who deposes kings. Nebuchadnezzar was nothing compared to the God of his ancestors. And he knew what that meant, but he chose to follow God. We do need to know what time it is. We don't need to run and hide. We don't need to live in fear. We don't need to be weeping every day. But we need to know what time it is. And we need to stand up and we need to make sure we hold on to the truths that come from God and that we seek the wisdom that He is giving, not the wisdom of this world. Because the wisdom of this world is crazy right now. We seek His wisdom because it is true and it is righteous. Let's go to Him in prayer.